Hello everyone, welcome to episode 20, Temples of the Holy Spirit, part 3, Identifying and Overcoming Hindrances to Fellowshipping with the Father. Um, I gotta tell you, uh, the Holy Spirit has done a lot these last few days, um, and this subject is a very emotional one for me, um, for a thousand different reasons, but when it comes to the subject of fellowshipping with the Lord, fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit, um, all of that, um, I will probably end up doing at least one or two more episodes connected to this subject, um, I don't feel like I can do it enough justice with just one. And uh, I think one reason why this subject is so, why it resonates with me so much, um, in addition to my own life experience, um, my wife, <laughs> who has gone on to the place where she was always meant to be. I always told her and I always honestly believed down to the core of my being that um, Rupa was too good for this world. She was too heavenly for this earth and um, it was not worthy of her. There's a scripture in Hebrews where it talks about those of whom the world was not worthy. She was one of those. Um, she worshipped her heavenly father through chronic pain for well over 16 years. She worshipped him through loneliness. She worshipped him through the heartache of being abandoned and forsaken by her own family. She worshipped him through the betrayal of friends that she thought were loyal. She worshipped him through horrific disappointments unfulfilled dreams, unrealized goals. She worshipped him when her entire world became reduced to an adjustable hospital bed in a bedroom. And I can say without any exaggeration whatsoever, Rupa truly found her everything in her Heavenly Father. She constantly shined with overwhelming gratitude and sincere and unpretentious love. Constant encouragement for others in spite of her own suffering. And just such a gigantic simplicity of faith. There were times, countless times, <laughs> when here in our own home... Uh, when she was able to make it into the living room, there were so many times I would I would see her just sitting in her recliner that I got for her because it was she had to have something very comfortable to sit in because uh, of her uh, disability. But I could not count the times that I would just be I would just happen to be walking by, and I would stop, and she would be in her chair with her her hands up and her eyes closed in silent prayer or silent giving of thanks 
I mean, she just emanated this spirit of worship and thankfulness and gratitude toward God. Uh, the, the scripture revelation where it talks about the prayers of the saints rising up before the throne like incense, uh, that was my wife. And so many people have goals and ambitions in life, and all Rupa wanted was to maintain a heart that was just blameless and honest and true before God. That that was her prize in life. So when I <laughs> talk tonight about the subject of identifying and overcoming hindrances to fellowshipping with the Father and just the subject of fellowshipping with the Lord in general. It is a very intense subject with me. and um, But before I... I'm going to go off track if I don't catch myself. So I'm going to pull the leash and I'm going to jerk on the leash a little bit and, and get this talking doggy back to the grass. Um, but in communicating with many believers over the last couple of years, and especially lately, uh, I am very convinced that this is a topic of utmost importance, um, as so many believers are so truly hungry and even desperate for a more intimate relationship with the Lord, and yet for many different reasons... They feel blocked or hindered, and they just simply don't know what to do about it. Um, so I will be dealing head-on with this issue as compassionately and scripturally as possible. And I'm going to offer some insights from my own personal experience as well. Um, I had intended to take my outline primarily from the book of First John. It addresses a lot of key aspects Um fellowshipping with the Father, identifying and conquering things that compromise and threaten our fellowship with Him. But the last two days, the Holy Spirit has taken me in a completely different direction, so I can revisit some of those things at a later time. But um, yeah, I can honestly say that uh, there is not a subject in the Word of God closer to my heart than that of believers' fellowship with the Lord and everything that is wrapped up in that phrase. Um, like I said, I could probably do at least two more episodes dealing with this subject, and I may, I may very well do that. We'll see how the Holy Spirit leads, and um, we'll see what kind of feedback uh, my listeners give me. But let me say, and I hope that my listeners will hear and feel my heart in this, I do not believe that there is a more all-important subject for us to explore with all of our being at this time in history than that of truly growing in and experiencing spirit-to-spirit, heart-to-heart fellowship with the Lord in every respect that He intended and in every respect that He has provided for. It grieves me and it breaks my heart to know that there are believers who are struggling in this area and who cannot seem to find the answers they need 
to bridge this invisible gap between them and the Lord. Um, and if there is any way, if there's any area, I mean, that I can minister to any of you in personally, this is it. Um, so I'll say it probably two or three more times. Reach out to me by via Facebook, email, whatever you have to do. Um, if you're struggling with this, please let me know. I want to help. Um, but first, let's start at the very beginning. Um, and if you've got your Bibles, take a peek into Genesis real quick. God's original design was to have fellowship with man in the Garden of Eden. He walked with Adam. He talked with Adam one-on-one in fellowship and communion. God and the man he made walking and talking together in a garden. There were absolutely zero barriers to communion and fellowship heart to heart. And this is why man was originally created, so that God might have fellowship with his own creation, someone like himself. So, with everything that we have in our minds about God, about our relationship with Him, about all of the different things that our mind might dwell on when we're thinking about the Lord, I think it would be profoundly helpful to each one of us, especially in this day and time, to remember that the one thing, the one thing that we were created specifically for by the Lord Himself is to fellowship with Him. Not just to do ministry or religious tasks or duties, none of that. When God originally made us, it was just Him, a garden, and the man He created. There were no pastors acting as mediators or go-betweens. There were no church buildings. There were no church programs. There were no worship teams to create the right atmosphere for Adam to fellowship with God in the garden. You know, we got to get the right atmosphere for God and Adam to worship in and fellowship in. There wasn't a proper religious setting for fellowship to take place. Too many times, if we're honest now, too many times the religious trappings take the place of intimacy with him because those religious trappings are sort of like our church-shaped fig leaf. We feel incomplete, perhaps, or naked without it. So we got to cover up with our little religious church-shaped fig leaf so we feel like we can come to God uh, with some, you know, dignity. The truth is fallen man has a history of covering up his nakedness and his sense of unworthiness to come before the Lord So we come up with all kinds of things so that we feel more worthy to come before him. So we feel more suitable to come into his presence. So instead of a fig leaf, we have all these religious things to cover ourselves up with so we can be more presentable to the Lord, his majesty, almighty God. I believe that part of our our fallen, unrenewed nature... And this is where renewing the mind continues to be a focus. So write that down or get the transcript. This is where renewing the mind continues to be a focus because we deep down perhaps 
have reservations about getting too close to the one who already sees us as we are and knows everything about us, but we want to somehow look away from that as though it weren't entirely true. We want to believe that we can still kind of cover up areas of ourselves that we might be embarrassed about or feel uncomfortable about. So I truly believe that the first thing the Lord needs to make real to each one of us personally is that his first desire for every one of us is to have very personal one-on-one fellowship with us. I honestly believe that that is one of the main hindrances to believers receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Although I'm sure maybe no one has ever really thought of it that way before, but I believe it is. we're, We're afraid to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit because we're afraid of letting God in too much we 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 want that buffer. We we need that buffer. It's safer to have a religious church buffer so that we can get closer to God on our terms. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is him moving into you. And if you really want to be the temple of the Holy Spirit and have the communication with him and the fellowship with him that he wants to have The baptism of the Holy Spirit is the only way it's going to happen. And no religious fig leaf is ever going to take its place. We are in our fallen nature still inwardly squeamish about him being too personal with us. And about us, oh my gosh, being too accessible to him in our naked places, if you know what I mean. We don't want our souls to be laid too bare before him, even though they already are. But in our minds, we have convinced ourselves that there are parts of us he can't see or touch. That's not right. Now, right here at this particular place is the perfect spot for me to share a word of my testimony, which I had planned on sharing at some point, but here we are in this part of our conversation, so I think it's really fitting for this context that being our our innate reticence of being too intimate with our Heavenly Father and too accessible. Um, this truly did happen to me. It was in the summer of 1980, and I actually shared this with a, a sister in the Lord recently. Um, And ever since I was a little boy, I I habitually took walks and talked to God, even before I got saved. I I knew that he was the God up there behind the stars at night. I knew he existed. I believed he existed. I, I believed he had made everything that I could see. My mind never even thought to question that. But after I got saved in 78, Things took a dramatic turn. Um, But something happened to me in the summer of 1980 that speaks to everything we've been discussing up to this point. So on this particular summer afternoon in 1980, I was walking to my job 
And I was walking down the street and, you know, having my usual conversation with the Lord. And I remember it like it was yesterday because I was just coming up on this one particular house. And um, nothing memorable about the house, but I just remember at this point, as I was walking past this particular house, I felt a nudge from the Lord. And intuitively, I could sense what he was trying to speak to me through this nudge. I don't know how to explain that to you, but I knew what the Lord was trying to convey to me. I could most definitely feel that this nudging was his way of saying to me that he wanted to be closer to me. And... um I have relived that moment thousands of times since then, wishing I could go back in time and change my response to his prompting. Um, And actually, my wife was the only person I have ever told this to verbally and to a dear sister in the Lord in the U.S. uh, the other night. Uh, because this subject had come up. Um, it's not something I like to revisit because I know that it hurt the Lord's heart and it caused me two and a half years of misery and anguish. Um, so as I walked down the street that afternoon and I felt the Lord's nudging that he wanted to be closer to me, I found myself saying, Lord, I know that you want to be closer to me, but right now I'm just not comfortable with that, but maybe later. Um, and immediately I felt a sense of his presence backing away. And yeah, uh, even a momentary twinge of sadness. And disappointment from the Lord, not me, from the Lord. I was actually shocked that I felt it. And my my stomach sank. It was like I had this, this cold pit in my stomach. Like I had just made a decision that I couldn't take back. And afterwards... A wave of spiritual attacks began because when you when you <laughs> listen when you when you feel a prompting from the Lord like that he wants to be closer to you and you say not right now well if you're saying no to a closer relationship with him what do you think you're saying yes to you know and The spiritual attacks continued for two and a half years at least. Um, I remember feeling so overwhelmed at work that I would have to take repeated bathroom breaks just to go to the men's room, sit in the stall, and pull up my pocket New Testament to the Psalms just to read the Psalms for some kind of comfort. And that relief was always really short-lived 
because the battle I was fighting was spiritual. <laughs> and I had already passed up the opportunity to be closer to the Lord and it created that vacuum. So anyway, um, as the winter of 1982 approached, the oppression seemed just impossible to bear. And around that same time, uh, there were customers coming into the place where I worked that uh, always seemed to have this light in their face. And I remember thinking to myself so many times, here I am, I'm a Christian, yet I'm so oppressed and fighting panic and fear and all this stuff all the time. I have no joy, no inner freedom whatsoever. What do they have that I don't? <laughs> and it was the repeated visits of these joyful lit up Christians that caused me to cry out to the Lord for what was missing. And why did I feel like the God I belong to is so far away? No matter how much I prayed, no matter how much I read my Bible, the distance never lessened. And there never seemed to be a way to close that gap. And I kept crying out to God. And I finally said, Lord, I know that there is something I am missing something that those other Christians have, and I desperately need to know what it is. I will do whatever you want. I just need you to show me what I'm missing. I constantly felt like I was chained to myself, if that makes any sense to anybody. Um, even though I was a Christian, I wasn't in any sin, I still felt the weight of me being chained to me. Um, but the next thing I knew, God was faithful. I was crying out to him for answers. He's like, okay, I'm going to show you what your problem is, what you're missing. Next thing I knew, every time I turned on the radio, some preacher or somebody was talking about the Holy Spirit. Anytime I walked into a Christian bookstore, all I seemed to notice were the books on the Holy Spirit. So I said, okay, God, I, I get it. I know what you're trying to tell me. I need the Holy Spirit. But what do I do? And by divine appointment, I ended up meeting a really nice, joyful Christian brother. Uh, married, had kids, was another one of those joyful, lit-up Christians that I'd been running into. And um, I shared with Jim everything that I'd been experiencing and going through all the way back to that summer in 1980. And he, with just such a gentle spirit, he explained to me that the Holy Spirit was what I had been feeling on that day, wanting to be closer to me. And I had never had anybody mention the Holy Spirit before. Um, he gave me some scriptures to read, said that he would be praying for me, but wanted me to have some time in the Word first. And uh, so I went home. And over the course of a couple of weeks, I spent uh, a lot of time in the Word, uh, reading what Jesus had to say about the Holy Spirit, uh, what the book of Acts had to say about the Holy Spirit. But my moment of truth honestly came when my eyes fell on that passage in the book of Luke.
And this time as I read, I could feel that familiar nudging again. That same nudging that I had felt in the summer of 1980. And as I read Luke 11.13, I could feel the Lord... It was like it was like no time had passed between that summer afternoon and winter of nineteen eighty two and I read that verse, "If you then being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him?" And I began to weep because it was like I had been on this long long journey that had taken me far away from the God that I had loved, that I had always felt so close to, and now here we were back together again. And I was just I was just crying and I said, Father God, your word says that you want to give me the Holy Spirit. You want to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask you. And I have never asked, but I'm asking now. Please give me your Holy Spirit. And as I cried and lifted up my voice to the Lord in my bedroom, I suddenly felt a warm sensation coming over me. And as I prayed, I felt, I felt words begin to come that were not English, but yet not completely foreign either. And as I continued to pray and speak to God in this language that my mind did not understand, all I could feel was me getting lighter and lighter as though I was being washed clean of all the oppression and fear and anxiety and washed of all the spiritual battles from the last two and a half years. And then suddenly it was like my mind and my head felt light and clean. I felt like I had been baptized from the inside out is what it felt like. And the next thing I know, I mean, I could not read the word enough. And it was like every time I opened my Bible, it was like the Holy Spirit was talking right to me, right there on the spot. It was like every word ministered directly to me. And it actually felt like I was reading my Bible for the first time in my entire life. It was amazing. But the most profound transformation that took place in my life was that I felt the nearness of the Lord no matter where I was or what I was doing, that God that was way out there beyond the fog was right here sitting next to me, and not just next to me, he was in me. And I would literally, I would find myself walking the streets in the afternoon and evenings, just praying, talking to the Lord, But now as I took my prayer walks, praying in the Spirit, I found myself experiencing a closeness and an intimacy with the Lord that I had never believed possible before. And the other thing was that it was a two-way intimacy. It wasn't just me being intimate with Him. I could feel the Lord responding to me, if that makes any sense. He wasn't necessarily responding with words, but with a closeness and with an overwhelming awareness 
that transcends my ability to even put it into words right now. It was an awareness that he was in me, not just with me and not just around me, but actually dwelling in me. So if there was a hope for me being healed and delivered of barriers to fellowshipping with the Lord, then there is for you too. The true starting point for each and every one of us to have a real, honest, true fellowship with the Father is through the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 2.18 says, For through Him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. So we have access to the Father by one Spirit. Now that verse actually says, Ephesians 2.18 says, We both have access to the Father by the Holy Spirit. So whoever caught me reading that verse just now and said, who's both? Okay, well, I'm going to answer your question. I'll tell you who the both is. Uh, there's verses in 1 Corinthians, Ephesians, and elsewhere that tell us who the both are. But there's a passage in the book of Acts that tells us who Paul, the apostle who's writing Ephesians, is referring to when he says, for through him... We both have access to the Father by one Spirit. In Acts chapter 10, starting with verse 44 to 47, it says, While Peter was still speaking these words, he was preaching the word, the gospel, to a Gentile named Cornelius. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter, the Jewish believers who had come with Peter, were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. And then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water, because they have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. Now, to our Western minds, the gravity of this really doesn't register. But in verse 28 of that same chapter, chapter 10, Peter says to Cornelius, you realize that it is against our Jewish law to come under a Gentile's roof. Doing something of that nature would render a law-abiding Jew as ceremonial, ceremonially unclean. But here's Peter, by the will of God, preaching to the Gentiles. And that should be something the Western Church should really be paying attention to. We would not even be saved if the gospel had not come to the Gentiles. The Jews had no intention of going to the Gentile nations. God had to interrupt Peter while he was on a rooftop fasting 
they were making lunch downstairs, and while he was on top of the roof of the, the house praying, God interrupted his praying with a vision of a scroll full of unclean animals, and the voice of God said, Peter, arise, kill and eat. And he was like, I've, I've never been unclean. I've never eaten anything unclean before. God was shaking up his Jewish prejudice against the Gentiles because God wanted him to go preach. So they received the Holy Spirit with signs following, and that's what brought the Gentiles into obedience to the gospel. Now, I want to take a look at how the Holy Spirit helps us in overcoming hindrances to fellowshipping with the Father. So let's start with the fact that because you were born again, your spirit man has been made alive. That means that you now have the capacity to know God and to know that you are his. Romans chapter 8 verse 10 says, If Christ is in you, your spirit is alive because of righteousness. Paul also says in verse 14, For all who are being led, that is, continuous, being led by the Spirit of God, are the sons of God. Now, remember we've discussed on previous episodes, the apostles took great care to ensure that the new believers received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, just as they did in the beginning themselves, and with the Gentile believers, starting with Cornelius and his household, and again in Samaria after Philip the Evangelist preached the gospel with signs and wonders following, Peter and John afterwards laid hands on the new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul did the same thing with new believers in Acts chapter 19. This is the New Testament pattern and precedent, and we have nothing in Scripture that indicates that ever changed. So, with the baptism of the Holy Spirit firmly in mind, and how the Holy Spirit indwelling us gives us a brand new capacity to fellowship and commune with the Father, let's look at Romans 8.15. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by which we are enabled to cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. So, reading it simply and plainly, this means the Holy Spirit is the spirit of adoption, which enables your spirit to now know and comprehend and intimately relate to God as your father, Abba, which is a very intimate Middle Eastern term meaning daddy. In other words, he is no longer a God away up there, just beyond your reach. He is your loving father, right here with you and in you by his Holy Spirit, the spirit of adoption, the spirit of sonship. Um, as I mentioned earlier, as a young fatherless boy, I took walks at night and talked to the God up in the stars because he was the only quote-unquote father I'd ever known. 
And even though at the time I did not think of God as my father or as a father, I knew instinctively he was someone I could approach and talk to about anything. But after I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, the feeling of profound acceptance and sense of belonging was something that never left me. And even in my worst situations since that time, in 38 years, it never has left me. For those who have had similar life situations, uh, growing up with the ache of a missing parent, specifically a missing father, I can assure you by my own experience that the Holy Spirit can and will bring definitive, deep healing to those areas of your heart. He is the spirit of adoption that brings the reality of your being a true child of God to life in your heart. Of all the hindrances to fellowshipping with the Father, I believe rejection and abandonment rooted in childhood issues is the biggest one. And I have plenty of experience with that. Um, So if you are someone listening to me dealing with those issues right now, please, my door's open, my phone's on, uh, email's working, Facebook, reach out to me. If you want prayer one-on-one, I would be happy to do that. Um, I have also experienced abundant healing on a level that I cannot even put into words that would not have been possible at all without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And this, for me, is where the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not a mere doctrinal issue. It is not a denominational issue. It is not even a charismatic issue. It is a Bible issue. It is the Father giving the spirit of adoption to those who are his children. And in every way in which the spirit of adoption, the Holy Spirit wants to manifest and act on our behalf with the Father's love in mind is the operation of God himself. He is not confined or chained to a doctrinal or denominational belief. Having said that, understand that the religious spirits that existed in Jesus' day exist now, and they hate the spirit of adoption because they do not want you to be truly free from them. They do not want you free from the religious systems that they control. They do not want you walking free from them in any way, shape, or form. That is why Paul was saying to the Romans, Romans 8.15, you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again. That is a religious system. It is bondage. It might be very religious looking bondage. It might even look very comfortable, but it is still bondage. And when it comes to true fellowship and communion with the Father, you will never find true freedom true spiritual liberty, in any denomination or religious system. You will only find it through the spirit of adoption, the Holy Spirit. Um, I recently had the most profound honor of sharing with a sister of the Lord many of the things that I've said on the podcast today. She is someone that has been a real friend to our family, and I have not known very many Christians who seek the Lord the way she does. And yet she has struggled with wanting to feel closer to her Heavenly Father, just not sure how to bridge that gap. 
I am sharing, trying to share with others of you who may be going through the same thing without betraying any of her confidences, but suffice it to say that I truly feel the profound heartache she was going through because I have lived it myself. And it is my deepest heartfelt desire, one that I really can't put into words to do any justice here on this podcast. Um, But just let me say to those of you going through the same struggle that I have felt intimately what you are going through myself, I want to be all of the spiritual help that I can be to you. So like I've uh, iterated twice already, I think, please reach out to me if I can be of any any help. Um, one thing I also wanted to share, because I, I just, I want you to remember this. I want you who are listening, please, please keep this just so close in your mind. And know for a fact that your Heavenly Father wants intimate fellowship with you more than you want it. And He has provided for it abundantly. He gave His only Son. He sent His Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, like I read earlier, If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? He wants to give you in fullness His Holy Spirit, the spirit of adoption, the spirit that links your spirit to him for that intimate, heartfelt connection and communication. Paul the Apostle said it the best when he said, when I pray in an unknown tongue, it is my spirit that is praying. My mind does not understand what I'm saying, but in the spirit I am speaking mysteries unto God. I am talking to my heavenly Father, spirit to spirit. And that, that I will stake my life on because I've experienced it for over 38 years. That is the only thing that will quench your hunger for your heavenly Father's love. And it is the only way that he could pour out his fatherly love to you directly into your spirit. Now remember, Jesus spoke so many times about the Holy Spirit, and he also said, I, Jesus said, I will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Please spend some time, my dear listeners, reading and meditating on John chapter 14, where Jesus speaks at length about the ministry of the Holy Spirit for believers. Now, there's one place in the book of John that Jesus spoke about the Holy Spirit, and I pray you'll read the uh, read read chapter seven. Um, I think starting at verse, you know what? I'm not even going to guess because I don't have it in front of me. But John chapter seven, uh, where Jesus went up to Jerusalem to a feast. Um, before he was going, it said that the Pharisees and the religious leaders were seeking to find him so they could kill him. And his brother said, hey, his disciples, I think, even said, don't go, don't go, because they're going to be there at the feast. They'll kill you. So it said he went up hiding himself. Like, he, I guess he had disguised himself or something. But it was the biggest Jewish festival and probably one of the most sacred 
because this was the Feast of Tabernacles. And the tabernacle was another word for tents. And so this feast symbolized the Old Testament prophets who said God wanted to tabernacle or dwell with men. So at this Jewish festival, commemorating God's desire to dwell among his people, Jesus stands up on the very last day of the feast. Now remember again, he went in disguise because the Jews were lying in wait to kill him here on the last day of the feast. He stands up, he completely blows his cover and exposes himself to their murderous rage as he stands up and cries out with a loud voice, which had to be full of the passionate emotion of God calling out to his people he wanted to tabernacle with, saying, If any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. This he spoke of the Holy Spirit. One of the other things they did at the Feast of Tabernacles was to pour water on the altar. So when he said, if any man thirst, let him come to me and drink, they knew exactly what he was saying and referring to. Jesus stood up, even though it meant exposing himself to the rage of those who wanted to kill him during this feast. And he cried out with the invitation to come to him and drink of the living waters, the Holy Spirit. That is how much he desires our fellowship. He exposed himself to the murderous hatred of those serving Satan because he desires our fellowship that much. So, Father God, in the name of Jesus, I pray for those right now who are agonizing over what feels like a bridge they just cannot seem to find a way to cross into your presence, into your fellowship, into your fatherly love for them. A gap that you have already bridged by your Holy Spirit. And Father God, there's just one thing remaining for them to receive the spirit of adoption, the Holy Spirit. So Father God, I just, I pray for my listeners that are feeling this. I ask you to do whatever it takes, just like you did with me. You pursued me for three years and for 38 years now, I have known you intimately as my heavenly father, because by your Holy Spirit, you minister to me and speak to me every single day in unexpected ways, even through the grief of me losing my precious wife. And you've brought me further than I would have ever imagined. But Father God, my heart breaks for my sisters and my brothers who don't know your presence like I've experienced it. I know they read it in your word and they've seen it in your word, but they just don't know how to make the connection. I ask you, Heavenly Father, to help them to understand, help them to know that just coming to you as a little child, like in Luke 11, that their Heavenly Father desires to give them the Holy Spirit. That is why he's called the promise of the Father. 
the spirit of adoption that joins the father's spirit to the child's spirit. And I pray for my precious listeners, my brothers and sisters, in the precious name of Jesus. And before we close tonight, everyone, I would like to play a little song for you. It was a worship song that my wife used to listen to. It was before we even met. She was the only Christian in her East Indian home. Her East Indian family were of the Sikh religion. It's a very strong, powerful religious spirit. Uh, She was the only one in the family that became a Christian. Uh, She was hated for it. She was abused for it. Uh, One day she was in her room with her door open, listening to worship music. Her father picked up her crutch and threw it at her because the demons in him were so enraged at her worship music. Um, when we met in March 2001, she sent me a card uh, a month later because we were still separated by like 3,500 miles. But she sent me a card, and one of the things she said was um, how grateful she was for our friendship that just when she was losing all sense of family, God brought me into her life. She didn't know I was going to end up being her husband. I I prayed that I was going to be, but I had to let God do that. But this was a worship song that she played hundreds of times because her heavenly father was her refuge. And so I'm just going to play it for you now. It's called Child of God.